0: This is the Dan Grossa Show on 98.7 ESPN. is the Dan Grossa Show.
1: How can a Met fan not be skeptical? How's a Met fan supposed to be confident? This is who they are. This is what they do. And the only difference is now you got an owner that spends a lot of money. But you know what? That's not necessarily pleasing to Met fans right now because there's a lot of Met fans and I've heard from them that aren't happy with Steve Cohen today because they think he waved the white flag too soon on this season, which I think is completely irresponsible to think like that. Completely. He admitted a mistake, he recognized the mistake, and he tried to fix it as best as possible. Now, it can't happen overnight. It's going to take a couple of years. But that's what the Mets are trying to do. And that's what Steve Cohen's trying to do. How long will it take? This
0: is the Dan Grossa Show on 98.7
1: ESPN. Final hour of the program on this Wednesday evening. Dan Grossa Show, 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776 is the telephone number. We'll take it to the top, then it's Gordon and Larry who will carry you the rest of the evening. At Dan Grossa, G-R-A-C-A is where you can get me on Twitter. Speaking of those Mets, they're in a 3-0 hole tonight to the Kansas City Royals. They may not have a chance to lose tonight, courtesy of a walk-off balk. If they don't pick up the slack here, boy, it's going to be tough, huh? A lot tougher than we thought if they can't beat the Royals. Imagine they get swept in Kansas City. Yankees, meantime, they turning things around here for at least one night. They got a 5-2 lead over Tampa Bay as they bat in the home half of the seventh inning. But we're talking a little bit of football here. With the Jets taking the field tomorrow in the Hall of Fame game against the Cleveland Browns, one guy who's not going to be on the sideline for the Jets is Dalvin Cook because, you know what, Dalvin Cook is still making up his mind. And the longer time passes from when Dalvin Cook was here on Sunday, spent the day with the Jets, went out to practice, stood on the sidelines, moving and shaking, kissing babies, hanging with the owner, hanging with Aaron Rodgers, hanging with everybody known to man. They whined him, they dined them, and then he left town. And now tomorrow's going to be Thursday. Jets are going to play a game, and we have no idea what Dalvin Cook is thinking. Look, I don't know how you could be optimistic right now that Dalvin Cook is going to land in Florham Park. Now, things could change. But don't you think it would have happened already? Right? I mean, Dalvin Cook saw firsthand what the Jets were all about, what the team is all about, the talent, the facilities, how they do things, everything. Probably knows what the contract offer is. Right? I don't think that that's changed in any way. So what's the holdup? Could it be their worst fears coming true? Or maybe some Jets fans' worst fears? Is that could Dalvin Cook once again be using the Jets as leverage? Because he wants to go to Miami. No state tax. He's from there. Right? Played his college ball in the state of Florida. And that's where he wants to be. He wants to sign with the Dolphins. And maybe the Dolphins are still trying to figure out ways to be able to get him in and give him a money offer that he feels is satisfactory enough. Maybe. Maybe. Now, look, I could be on an island all by myself here. But I still believe that Dalvin Cook is not a necessity for the Jets. He's a luxury more than anything else. I don't think they necessarily need him, to be quite honest with you. I think they have enough. Receiver core is solid. You got tight ends that could catch the football. Brees Hall, I think he's going to be raring to go week one. Everything that I've heard, everything that I've seen, he's going to be in that lineup week one in that huddle against the Buffalo Bills. You got some other backs who were capable there, and Michael Carter and Zonovan Knight, the kid that they drafted out of Pittsburgh in the fifth round. They like his home run hitting ability as well. They don't need to go chasing a Dalvin Cook. Like I said, if he wants to sign up, great. But it should be on the Jets' terms, not what he wants. Because it's not a necessity. And the longer this goes on, I I just don't like the way the wind is blowing. What can I say? Here was Mike Tannenbaum, our good buddy. He was on Get Up earlier today talking about Dalvin Cook and that visit with the Jets.
2: Well, general manager Aaron Rodgers gave back $35 million, so him and his assistant, Joe Douglas, should be talking about how we're going to get this deal done, because (laughs) when a player of Aaron Rodgers' stature gives back that type of money, that's not going back to ownership. That's going to improve the roster, so if I'm Aaron Rodgers and we're a million or two million dollars apart, like, let's go, Joe. Let's get this deal done. The other thing, and Jeff alluded to this, if I was the Jets, I would have had the economics agreed to before we ever got on the plane and say, hey, pending physical, here is the deal we're either going to sign it on the day of the visit but if you leave our facility we're taking this deal off the table because we're not going to be leveraged for presumably Miami or New England or anybody else so I also agree with Jeff that was a really odd thing and I'm not really sure what happened because I wouldn't let him come into the building unless we had everything worked out ahead of time so this goes on but Alan Cook is a really good player that could be meaningfully helpful to either the Jets or the Dolphins
1: right it's a fair take From Mike. You know, a little bit of saltiness there at the beginning of it when he was talking about general manager Aaron Rodgers and so on and so forth. But some of the things that Mike's saying there, he's spot on. Now, I don't necessarily think that there's any sort of competitive sabotage that might be taking place. Like, you know, if the Dolphins got in Dalvin Cook's ear and said, hey, man, we're going to sign you ultimately. But before we sign you, we want you to go up to Florham Park, hang out with the Jets a little bit, sit in their huddle on the practice field, learn some of their plays, go inside the, the meeting rooms, tell us all the super secret things that they're doing, report back to us, and then we'll sign you to the contract that you want. I, I mean, I don't think that is happening here, right? And there have been some examples in the past, just last year as a matter of fact, where the Jets did exactly the same thing that they did with Dalvin Cook that they did with other players. Dwayne Brown was one of those cases last year. When Dwayne Brown, he first showed up to Florham Park before he signed, watched practice, got the tour the whole nine yards, like, hey, Dwayne Brown is here. And then within the next couple of days, he signed the contract and he was a Jet. So sometimes that happens. Other times, you don't get the guy. And then you run that risk. But am I sitting here and, and, and worrying about the fact that, you know, Dalvin Cook is going to pick up state secrets by being here with the Jets for a couple of days? No. And do I think that it makes the Jets look bad and they are really going to lose sleep over the fact if Dalvin Cook signs with somebody else other than them? No. I think they're past that. Because the Jets are concerning themselves with winning a championship. And Aaron Rodgers isn't going to care. I think the – Answer is going to be, if if Cook signs elsewhere, whether it's with Miami or whoever, that, you know what, we're here to win, and if he doesn't want to be a part of it, that's his problem. And that's how they should approach it. Because, again, Cook is somebody that is not a necessity for this football team. He's not. You like to have him, but he's not somebody that you absolutely need. So tomorrow, you know what? You see Zach Wilson out on the field. Hopefully he does some good things. Makai Becton is going to be back out on that field tomorrow. And that might be, and I know it's an offensive lineman, and generally you're not going to be zeroed in on a lineman. But Makai Becton might be maybe the most interesting case on this football team for that game tomorrow. And it's almost good in a way that he's playing. Because the guy's got to play. This guy hasn't played in two years. He's played a half in two years. So even though it's preseason, you want him to get through a football game. So you're darn right. I'm going to be locked in on him tomorrow when we're watching the game and talking about what we could expect to see. He's got to get as many game reps as possible because guess what? I know that the starters aren't playing, but you know who Makai Becton is going to be asked to block in this game tomorrow? He's going to be asked to block guys who are fighting for jobs, who are out there to prove it just as much as Beckton is. He's out there trying to prove that he isn't a first-round bust, that he has what it takes to hang around this league, that all the work that he put in off the field to lose all that weight, to get into shape, that it wasn't going to be in vain, that it's actually going to mean something for him. So I'm really fascinated to see how that plays out. Another guy I think you keep an eye on tomorrow, number 16 in your programs on the offensive side of the ball, somebody by the name of Jason Brownlee who's an undrafted free agent, a wide receiver. Kid's had a great camp. Kid's had a great camp. He's had one of the best catches in camp. It kind of went viral a little bit on the Jets' social channels when they filmed it and posted it. You know, it's all about the opportunities. Opening eyes during training camp, during the preseason. That is what it's all about. And, you know, the beauty of preseason, guys, even if you don't stick around, if you get caught in a numbers game and you can't stick around – With the club that you're in camp with, 31 other teams got film on you. And if you make enough plays and you open enough eyes, well, then guess what's going to happen? Somebody else is going to take a chance on you, and you're still going to be in the league. And you're still going to be living your dream. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's the preseason. Yeah, there's not going to be too many recognizable names that are in there. I totally get it. But it's good to have football back. And in a little over a month, it starts to count for real. And as well as as bad, I should say, as these two baseball teams have been this season in this city, we need the Jets and Giants to have big seasons for all of us here once we get September rolling. 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. A list of the top quarterbacks in the National Football League and how they are slotted has been unveiled yet again. It seems like it's an annual thing, right? It's a rite of August. We'll break it down, tell you what we think, what we don't think, and what it means for the two quarterbacks in this town in particular. Grasso Show, 9870 ESPN. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any
3: visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel.
0: This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Now's the part of the program where we bring some of the off-air conversation onto the air. Because I don't think it was that controversial. I think we can just say it anyways. So we were talking about gum during the break, which is a very in-depth discussion. And so, because I noticed on the Yankee game, in the dugout, they had Big League Chew. Everybody's familiar with Big League Chew, at least those with teeth are. And I always found Big League Chew to be, like, on the softer side. You know, like, when I, I, I haven't had Big League Chew in, in years.
2: Chew the gum.
1: You know, but I just thought it was, like, a, a lot softer than I care for when it comes to gum. Joe's a big fan of Big League Chew, but I I, I could kind of take it or leave it to be quite honest with you.
3: Huge fan of Big League Chew, and of all of the things to say about Big League Chew, the first I wouldn't say is that it's soft. It's a little soft. No, yeah, you're right, but I think that they actually perfected gum with the with the str- the strands. Right instead of just like the like a hubba bubba for for example where you have to you know gnaw on that thing for like 5 minutes to get it to actually congeal to a piece of gum
1: right see the, like bazooka for example bazooka that's stuff they make you work for you know like that stuff you got to chew it and chew it and chew it i mean that that that's some tough stuff well, it's like you're sitting there chewing cardboard but you know what once you get there you feel like you actually accomplished something
3: Well, I think Bazooka was made in one batch in, like, 1913, and they just distributed it to, still distributing it to this day. I'll tell
1: you, I, I, I could be in the minority on this one, and I don't necessarily partake in this activity any longer. I could still right now close my eyes, and I could still remember the taste, the texture, the feel, and I could hear my teeth crack when I chew it of baseball card gum. Was that not the greatest stuff in the world or what? I it's mean, nothing you, better than that.
3: It was, but like the f- it lasts for like what? 30 seconds? Yeah, but but you know what? If you buy multiple packs, then you end up with
1: multiple sticks of gum, and so what you do is you just stick them all in your mouth at one point or another. I mean, it's not great quality, exactly. It's like you might as well be eating potato chips or whatever. But just that that initial rust, that and then you feel that powder on the on, on the top baseball card. There's nothing like it, nothing like it. Now I I might be dating myself here. Do you guys remember? Have you ever had the chance to experience? Because I don't even know if they still have it anymore. I don't think they do. Do you remember when they had Gatorade gum? That was good stuff.
3: Wasn't that the juicy fruit competitor,
1: like when, it, when Among Gatorade- others, but it was like. There were these ni- and I remember the Gatorade gum was like expensive too because they were only like five little pieces in the in the pack. And then like, you know, at that age, when you're going off of allowance money, if you go to the candy store and you, you pack pick up a pack of the Gatorade gum, you get like those five little rectangular kind of pieces. And, you know, you get that initial flavor and whatnot. And that was a tough gum, too. Like that was on the chewier side. And the taste would kind of dissipate after a while but it was a good taste and it had like that just enough distribution of the sugar and the powder. I was a big fan of the Gatorade gum too. But the Gatorade gum was like a luxury. You know what I mean? Cuz you couldn't you couldn't get that stuff any which way you went. Good old days. Good old days of gum conversation. Nothing nothing like it. Um let us say hi to our good pal Tino in Staten Island. He is up next here on 9870 ESPN. Tino, first and foremost, how is the wheel, my friend? How are you feeling?
4: uh believe it or not, Dan, I'm feeling great. Believe it or not, it's been 2 months since I tore my Achilles tendon. I'm going to be out of the boot tomorrow, getting on the treadmill with my physical therapist. And he says it's 20 years since he's been treating people with Achilles tendon injuries. He goes. You are the one of the quickest healers I've ever seen in my life. It's healing so fast. I'm shocked how strong my Achilles is getting.
1: I wish uh, I wish Vinnie Testaverde had your therapist in 1999. Maybe the Jets it, would have indeed won the Super Bowl that year. <laughs> who knows? Anyway. Yeah.
4: So it's been going well. I'm, I'm so I'm so excited. You know, on on this process. Of, you know. Because, you know, I contemplated doing surgery and the doctors were pushing me. And, and I just said, you know what I said, Dan? I said, I trust my body. I, mean, I know I'm a sh- I work out. I eat right. I, I train hard. I said, you know what? I can, I can heal faster than having surgery and staying in a, in a cast for
1: eight weeks and in another boot for two months. I'll be out of the boot by tomorrow. Nice. So I'm excited. Nice job. Good job by you, so- buddy. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. I
4: saw you on a nice vacation there. I was following you on Twitter, man. You were living the life over there. Beautiful,
1: hey. crystal clear blue water. I miss it. I, I I miss it. I'll tell you, you know what? You work hard. You got to play hard. You know what I'm saying? Enjoy the spoils. Absol- and it was a, I, uh, I, I wish I was back there. Let's put it that way. So let's talk a little quickly, a little sports. Obviously the baseball teams are a
4: bunch of duds. Nothing to talk about there. Definitely excited about our Jets. You know, die our Jet fan looking forward to the season but Dan I know you you're like me you're a diehard basketball fan and we always talk basketball you know what I'm looking forward to Dan I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to the FIBA championships that are starting up we got four Knicks that are competing two on USA with Brunson and Hart we got RJ playing for Canada mm-hmm. and we got Fournier playing for France
1: so I'm looking at these guys to go at it. It's going to be exciting. Does Fournier you know still count I mean? as a Nick, though, Tino? He basically told you in his he many words, you know, it. when he, he spoke to that French he, newspaper, he's done. <laughs> yes. You, but but that was hilarious, Dan.
4: You know, I actually felt bad for the dude. You know, he's like, I took, I lost a year of my career. I don't want this to happen again. I hope the Knicks move me. But I told you beforehand, Dan, when the season ended, if the Knicks don't – I know it's an aspiring contract – but if they don't attach a first-round pick or a second-round pick to his contract, nobody's going to take his contract. And look where we are right now. Most teams are set with their, with their rosters. He, he's going to be on the roster this year come training camp. I'm telling you right now. I, I told you
1: this when the season ended. So, I don't know. I think if – unless there's, unless there's an injury – and, Tino, thanks for the call, my friend. It's always good to hear that you're getting back up on your feet. Unless some team suffers an injury – I need some help when it comes to outside shooting. And like you said, if the Knicks maybe kick in a pick or whatever, Fournier's probably going to be on this team at least until the trade deadline or at least close to it. Right? They got no choice. They're not just gonna, I don't think they're just going to cut them and eat the money. They're not going to do that. But expiring contracts, remember, expiring contracts are valuable in the NBA. Very, very valuable. Scott is in Edison. He's up next. here on 98.7. Scotty, how are you?
5: I'm good. How are you guys doing? What's up, Scotty? Listen, I want to talk Jets, but basically two main points. But the first thing, real quick, I want to ask you, Dan, uh, do you think Tony Adams is going to play tomorrow, given the fact that he's supposed to be the starting
6: safety? I, I
1: I think Tony Adams might get a couple of snaps tomorrow. And, look, Tony Adams is a guy, and, and he's another one that I should have brought up, you know, because I really kind of centered on the offensive side of the ball. Defensive side of the ball, that's a guy you look at. Tony Adams, the coaching staff, loves him. Remember, he was a guy, for those who don't know, he was an undrafted free agent last year in 2022. The Jets actually paid a lot more than you normally pay these undrafted free agent guys to make sure that they could get him. They like him a lot. They think he is a tremendous fit for this defense. And there's no guarantee that Adrian Amos is even going to be a starter come week one because Adams is going to have a shot to win this job.
5: Yeah, I t- I totally agree. And you know what? You hate to see players go down, but you know when when Clark went down, you know it was like obviously we signed Amos and we were like, well, like why why would they even sign him? And then then the news broke about Clark. But obviously him and White had played like the same position kind of. And little did, did any of us Jets fans know that we had this undrafted free agent just 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 waiting behind the curtains that nobody knew about. You know, but the second point I wanted to make was, obviously, we're all going to have our eyes on Beckham tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And I know Salah said about 20, 25 snaps. I I just want to see, you know, he lost all that weight. I want to, there's no guarantee, like, he'll be the same dominant force given if he stays healthy, you know. He lost all that weight, and that weight was, you know, basically what made him so dominant.
1: Um... There's dominance, yes. You know, like when you talk about the – look, he's still a big guy, right? I mean, if you see Makai Becton – and, Scotty, thanks for the phone call, my man. When you see Makai Becton, he's still enormous. He's just not as wide as he once was. But he's still a big guy. The thing that made a guy like Becton a first-round pick and an athletic freak a couple of years ago, that the scouts and all the NFL personnel guys looked at somebody and they said, all right, the dude is huge, but he's also very athletic. Right, The way that he ran the 40-yard dash, for example, the way that he moves around despite being as big as he is, that's what made him so appealing on the next level. So that being said, even though that he lost some of that weight, it's healthy weight that he lost, or excuse me, it's the bad weight that he lost that he's still healthy enough and he still can rely on that athletic ability. He's still strong enough to be able to hold up in the NFL. That hasn't changed. And I think there was an absolute necessity now that he has those knee problems and that one knee, the right one, is, you know, already surgically repaired a couple of times over. He's got to keep that weight off. Otherwise, the knee is not going to be able to support it, and he's going to have a short NFL career. That's why it was critical for him to do so. But, yes, I'm glad that Scotty brought up Tony Adams. That is another name that they are very, very high on. Somebody else get familiar again with Jamie and Sherwood. Jamie and Sherwood was a fifth-round pick back in 2021. I believe he was a – I want to say he's an Auburn guy, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, Auburn. Now, Sherwood, in 2021, remember, they tried to hand him a starting job. Sherwood, along with Hamza Dean, who's still on the team, those are two guys who were college safeties that they converted into linebackers or tried to convert into linebackers here in the NFL. There's been some growing pains along the way, as you would expect, right? And Sherwood wasn't able to hold down that starting job. Neither was Nazruddin. Last year, they went out and they signed Quan Alexander. They didn't bring Quan back. And I never got to the bottom of that. I would like to think that it had something to do with money. is why Quan Alexander didn't re-sign. And just a couple of days ago, Quan Alexander signed a one-year deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But now Sherwood has been given an opportunity to win that weak side linebacker job. So let's see if he can take advantage of it. He's gotten better. They're talking him up. He's had a really good camp, and he'll probably get some run there tomorrow as well just to try to get some game experience because, you know what, he hasn't played many snaps in the first two years of his career in terms of linebacker in meaningful situations. So there's a few guys that, you know, we should be watching here in this preseason. And If you're a Jet fan, you should be eyeballing here. We'll see which other guys maybe make a name for themselves like there is each and every preseason around the NFL we'll talk a little bit about the quarterbacks and this list is interesting by the way we'll get into that we roll to the top of the hour grass with you on 98.7 ESPN everybody's familiar with big league Chew, at least those with teeth are
3: this podcast is proud to be supported by Jets pizza the number one pick in Detroit style pizza why it's simple Jets is better with the thickest crispiest cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country there's no competition
6: Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com.
0: This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN.
6: Taking it
1: until the top of the hour, there's Gordon and Larry on this fine Wednesday. Remember, no show tomorrow night because we got Jets football. We'll also talk to you at 7 alongside Greg for the pregame show. Bob and Marty will have the play-by-play. We'll be back with you on Friday evening, 7 to 10, to send you off into the weekend at our normal time. And then the schedule gets a little hairy again next week, but we'll tell you that when you need to know, of course, a little bit later on in the week. So over on The Athletic, Mike Sando is one of the uh, football columnists. Does a great job covering the NFL. He's covered it for a long time. And and one of his, like, annual traditions – This time of year, he comes up with a quarterback tier list, you know, different tiers, one, two, three, four and slots to different quarterbacks. But it's not just his own personal opinion. You know, he talks to a panel, 50 league insiders um, that took part in this so-called breaking down of the QBs. He spoke to 10 head coaches, eight general managers, 15 coordinators, 10 executives, blah, 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 blah. So it's a wide pool of people that are around the National Football League. So, like I said, this is the starting quarterbacks, by the way. So there's 30 QBs, and they broke them down into four tiers. Now, the first tier, the definition of what they consider a Tier 1 quarterback. A Tier 1 quarterback can carry his team each week. The team wins because of him. He expertly handles pure passing situations. He has no real holes in his game. Now, according to this panel, there are five of these quarterbacks around the National Football League, just a five. And they happen to be Patrick Mahomes, no surprise, Joe Burrow, I would agree with that one, Josh Allen, who's at number three, number four is our new buddy Aaron Rodgers. How about that? Aaron is still tier one quarterback. Number five, Justin Herbert. And that's the end of Tier 1. Okay. Um, See, I disagree there. Herbert's very, very good. But Herbert is somebody right now who, so far in his career, and you can point to the organization and all these other things, but what has Herbert won so far in his career? Right? Been a few years. They went to the playoffs last year finally, but they blew a 27-point lead. He was on the field for that, was he not? He was on the field. And I know I think he has one of the worst head coaches in the NFL alongside him. But I just think that you have to do a little bit more before you automatically get placed in that category. For example, there's guys in Tier 2. Now, here's what Tier 2 is defined as. A Tier 2 quarterback can carry his team sometimes, but not as consistently he can handle pure passing situations in doses, and/or possesses other dimensions that are special enough to elevate him above tier three. He has a hole or two in his game. Fair. Here's the problem with Justin Herbert. I know he got the big old contract, and I'm not saying he shouldn't have gotten it. But according to this list, they've got Justin Herbert ahead of such tier two quarterbacks as Lamar Jackson. Jalen Hurts, Matthew Stafford, and others, but those are the few that I would at least just throw out there as maybe if I was playing, like, the swap game that I would look to interject over Justin Herbert. I mean, Lamar Jackson has an MVP, right? Jalen Hurts took his team all the way to the Super Bowl last year. Played like an MVP in that game. How many how many yards did Jalen Hurts account for last year in that game? Eagles didn't lose that Super Bowl because of him. Lost the Super Bowl because the defense couldn't get off the field in the second half of the game. Right? But some of these other guys, they jumped the gun a little much. I mean, Trevor Lawrence right now, they have his eighth. Why? Because he won a playoff game last year? He's been in the league two years. I know he's getting better. I know he's got a, a, a good coach. How about this? You put... If if Doug Peterson was Justin Herbert's coach right now, out with the Chargers, then you could be cooking with something. Then you could have something special. But now Lawrence is going to be the one to reap the rewards. And Justin Herbert is still going to be sitting there alongside Brandon Staley. They got Dak Prescott at number nine, Stafford at 10, Deshaun Watson is at 11, and they got Kirk Cousins at 12. Mr. Quarterback documentary Netflix, Kirk Cousins is number 12. Now, Here's tier number three, and if you're a Giant fan, maybe pay attention to this one. A tier three quarterback is a legitimate starter, but he needs a heavier running game and or defensive component to win. A lower-volume drop-back passing offense suits him best. Kyler Murray's in this category. Now, there's a lot more that Kyler Murray needs. Derek Carr is number 14. 14. Somebody should have told the Saints before they uh, made that move. Jared Goff at number 15. Russell Wilson all the way down at number 16. Boy, think about what one season can do to affect the perception of a quarterback. I know he was bad last year, and if he doesn't snap out of it, you know, who knows where he's going, but I don't don't know. I still think if you give me a choice this year, Kyler Murray or, or Russell Wilson, I'm taking Russell Wilson. I, I, I just am. Tua Tungabailoa is at 17. Jimmy Garoppolo is number 18. Then we get to our buddy Daniel Jones at number 19. All right, let's go back and review the, desi- the definition of a Tier 3 quarterback. A Tier 3 quarterback is a legitimate starter. Daniel Jones, a legit starter. But he needs a heavier running game and or defensive component to win. In this case, it was always Saquon Barkley. A lower-volume drop-back passing offense suits him best. Okay, fine. Up until this point in Daniel Jones' career, I think you could agree with that. He wasn't asked to do as much, even last year. It wasn't Daniel Jones dropping back 40 times a game to go out there and spray the ball all over the field. But isn't that going to change now? And look, not to say that this list is an exact science, farthest thing from it. But does that give you a little bit of trepidation at all if you're a Giant fan, where according to several folks around the National Football League, that is where they pegged Daniel Jones. Somebody right now who is a bottom half of the league quarterback, almost down in the bottom third category. And the Giants went ahead and invested major dollars in him. Needing all these other concessions to be able to have success. Now the Giants and Daniel Jones are going to ultimately have the final say on this one. And if you're a Giant fan, you hope that this list is wrong. Because if Daniel Jones doesn't play to another level this year, Giants might be in for a tough road. Because the organization believes in him, and they invested enough money in him to think that he is going to be better. And that right now, the majority of the league includes Daniel Jones among the likes of such quarterbacks Jared Goff, Russell Wilson, Tua Tungavailoa, Jimmy Garoppolo, Geno Smith, Justin Fields, Ryan Tannehill, and Mac Jones. Think about that. Daniel Jones is no better than Mac Jones just because they have the same last name? You want a Ryan Tannehill as your quarterback for the next four or five years if you're a Giant fan? Is that what you want? And then the Tier 4 quarterbacks, by the way, just for – completion purposes tier four quarterback could be an unproven player or a veteran who ideally would not start all 17 games you got Brock Purdy on that list because he came in in a supporting role last year and took the Niners all the way to the championship game but still need to see more of course Kenny Pickett coming off a rookie year Jordan Love who we've only seen in one game Baker Mayfield, who if you read the tea leaves down in Tampa Bay, sounds like Baker Mayfield might even be losing his grips on the starting quarterback job down there. They might be willing to turn this thing over to Kyle Trask, the youngster from Florida. How about that? Sam Howell with Washington, Desmond Ritter with the Falcons, and Gardner Minshew in Indianapolis. Look, I think Aaron Rodgers is probably placed where he should be placed right now. And I hope he sees this list because if they have him fourth and he's unhappy with it, he probably thinks he should be first. Let him have that chip on his shoulder when he takes the field this season to prove everybody wrong. But Daniel Jones, 19. Hmm. I don't agree with that one. I actually think Daniel Jones is better than a couple of these guys that are ahead of him on the list. I would take Daniel Jones over Jimmy Garoppolo going into this season. You know, if you want to base it on what have you done for me lately? Funny thing about it is, you know, you can make that same case if you're Geno Smith. Like, Geno Smith right now, they have one spot behind Daniel Jones. Daniel, did Daniel Jones have a year as good as what Geno Smith had last season? Right? Not to that level, but they want to see more. I think I've never been the biggest Kyler Murray guy, so, I mean, he he, he could plummet on this list as far as I'm concerned. Goff has had a little bit of a renaissance here. But, yeah, the hit job is out on Russell Wilson. They just, boy, that Broncos season last year, look at all that collateral damage that it did to so many, so many guys affiliated with it. But now they got a chance to go out there and prove everybody wrong. Sean Payton and his coaches, the football geniuses they have out there in Denver now, no coming back from that one. They've already talked a good game. Now they're going to go out there and produce. 800 919 3776. That is the telephone number. When we come back. We we'll get ready to hand things over to Larry and Gordon. Also, I didn't even get a chance to hear these. Wonder what Aaron Boone had to say to the folks over at John Boy in his weekly spot. Things got a little contentious from what I'm being told. Grass the show till the top right here on 987 ESPN. And then you feel that powder.
0: This is the Dan Grossa Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: (laughs) Hey, Harvey, remember that song we played on the show last night? The Yankee Tune, remember that? Remember old Blue Eyes? Remember that one? We sang along to it. We had some fun. Remember that?
7: Yankee Tune.
1: Yeah, remember we were having some fun with that song? Good old Yankee song. Remember that? Frank Sinatra. You got to cue that one up, right? There you go. Oh, yeah. You know why we're playing this, right? Because the Yankees are back in the win column, baby. That's right. 2 nothing deficit in the first inning. Ha! Ah, they spit at a 2 nothing deficit. Oh, the Yankees are back. They are back. If I can quote the esteemed Brian Cashman, the answers – are in that clubhouse, and you bet they are. Garrett Cole, marvelous. Giancarlo Stanton, dangerous. Glaber Torres, a hit machine. Anthony Volpe, greatness in the making. Yank 7, raise 2. Oh, yeah. No broomsticks tonight in the Bronx, baby. The Bombers have themselves the last laugh. How about that? All kidding aside, look. They stopped the bleeding for a day. They don't get swept. Now the Astros come to town. And our old buddy Justin Verlander. Four games starting tomorrow night. Yankees get two. I think that's the best you hope for right now. I mean, just split the four games. I don't think you can sit here and talk about winning a series because after all the Astros, I mean, they own the Yankees. But I think if you go, you know, two and two over the next four, you take that. Why not? Why not? Uh, did you hear what Aaron Boone had to say today? You know, he does a weekly spot on the Talking Yanks podcast with the folks over at uh, Jomboy. And, you know, they kind of hammered him with the questions like they usually do. And they said, well, you know, the Mets have a plan here, right? The Mets were sellers What is the Yankees' plan? We wondered that earlier in the show ourselves. So they asked the Yankee manager, do the Yankees have a plan?
8: The Mets are in a slightly different situation. We've been two, three games out of a playoff spot. And that sometimes is a tough place to be, especially when you haven't played great, but you do feel like at least there's a chance of getting better and stronger performances. Certainly don't want to pull the plug. Obviously Aaron coming back and Nestor coming back and Luizic coming back and being on the outskirts of a playoff spot, but also having not played well enough recently To be in the dance right now, that's ultimately where that came down, I think, with the front office all the way up to the last minutes. All things remained on the table.
1: Okay. Fair, right? Fair answer. What do you expect? What about the uh, Yankee roster? How about this little back and forth between the two of them? Do we have that one, guys? the scariest part to me is that you guys truly think that this is the team and you know next year is the same thing as this year because it's beyond poor
8: what do you mean think that's a very passive aggressive little comment you made there like what do you mean, think this is what well because
1: we you're not yeah we're not gonna roll over. over i know you're not gonna roll over but i mean the mets did and they're probably gonna be better than the yankees in two years because of that they completely rebuilt
8: they're in a completely different situation and there's a lot of five less things.
1: wins if they wanted to like really go for it they had more to sell at the deadline. A lot
8: goes into those kind of things.
1: So, Hey, you know what? They're passionate. They're fans. That's what they are. They're fans, right? They make no, you know, they're not trying to confuse anybody with that. They're fans. And I'm sure that Boone knew what he was getting into when he decided to take the money and do the weekly spot with them. I mean, you have to expect these type of questions, right? And I think he does a good job with it. You know, it's entertaining, if you will. So, the life of a manager. And the life of a manager in the big city with a big fan base, with a lot of expectations, that's what comes with being the Yankee manager. So they get a win tonight. Astros in here over the next four days. We'll see what happens. Mets trailing the Royals right now 3 nothing. They go bottom six. It looked like they were maybe going to score a run, but Mark Vientos got thrown out trying to score from second base on an RBI. looked like he was really, really slow going around those bases. But whatever. Mets season is over. We'll, tell you, we'll talk to you again in 2025. Um Big soccer game tomorrow, Harv, right? Big one. Little derby, right? Red Bulls, NYCFC. you going to be able to sleep or what?
7: No. (laughs) Not at all.
1: (laughs) He's like, no. You're pumped for this. I mean, Harvey hasn't stopped talking about this game for, like, days. Days. And I feel like, you know, because they've been having all of these, like, what? These are the MLS. What were the ones when they were playing all, like, the, the Mexican League teams? Those weren't, like, real games for the standings, right?
7: Uh, no. What they're doing now is not for the standings, no.
1: And this one isn't either, but it's still a rivalry, right?
7: What, the Mexican leagues and the...
1: No, 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 no. Like this stuff with, with the NYCFC. I mean, it's a derby. Oh, of course. Like this- yes. Yeah. Yes.
7: I hate them. Wow. I, I need this one. Wow. This is te- ti- this is what technically a- the first ever mm-hmm. knockout game between the two clubs. They haven't been in the playoffs yet in MLS. So I need this one.
1: Let me ask you a question, because obviously you're the MLS expert. I'm not that guy. When you got a game like this tomorrow in Harrison, two teams, rivalry, area fan bases. What is the split usually with the fans that fill up Red Bull Arena for this game?
7: I would say 70-30 Red Bulls. NYCFC fans do do make um their way. They do fill out their own away section. They're interspersed around the crowd. They do make noise. So,
1: They make noise. Would you ever consider giving your – if you ever had to sell your tickets, would you, like, make sure that you were selling them to a Red Bulls fan because you wouldn't want, like, the enemy into your building? Of course. You would never do that.
7: I mean, I wouldn't sell my tickets anyway.
1: I I know you wouldn't do that. And and we and we were just having some fun with that yesterday, looking up the Messi prices or the latest with the Messi prices. When he comes later in the month, you can sell your tickets for a thousand bucks a pop, right?
7: Yeah, they're all resale. So it doesn't
1: well, that's what you're doing. It would be a resale situation.
7: Yeah, but I don't know. These days, you don't want to do it. Well, nobody's come up to me with a bid. Put your money up. Talk to talk to business. I'm not business.
1: gonna. I'm not. You think I'm gonna be the one to buy him? I don't care. Well, I, I I know you, you, don't,
7: you don't care. You you no. you just. Yeah, have these Jets. But you know what? If you, wanna, if,
1: we, if you were serious about moving those tickets, like we would find a way with the show to try to make this thing happen. And we would get you a nice price and all this stuff. We would get the word out that that's what you're looking to do.
7: Well, we've got 24 days. Yep. They're here on the 26th.
1: I'll be there unless somebody has some money they, they want to lose. If Steve Cohen calls up, okay, Mr. Dead Money, Steve Cohen, paying down contracts, and he says to you, Harvey, you know what? It's our anniversary coming up, and I don't know if it's his anniversary, but he said, you know, it's my wife and and my anniversary. We already have everything in the world, but the one thing that we don't have is row two seats at Red Bull Arena to watch Messi play the Red Bulls, and he would pay any amount of money possible just to be able to grant her that anniversary gift. Would you take Steve Cohen's money? Yeesh. You probably would. Oh no! Steve, think about what Steve Cohen could give you. Steve Cohen will probably overpay for those tickets. Don't think too hard about it. Like you said, you got three and a half weeks to make this happen. We got to get out of here, though. You know why? Because Gordon and Larry are getting ready to do a show. You're going to listen to them for the rest of the night. You'll hear me tomorrow at seven o'clock alongside my dear friend Greg Buttle. Game one, Jets football. They take on the Browns. Thanks to Harvey. Thanks to Joe. I will talk to you tomorrow at 7, everybody. Gracias saying have a good night here on 9870 ESPN. You're sitting there chewing cardboard. Red Bulls, NYCFC, you going to be able to sleep or what?
7: No.